0: Allah, and I أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا ورسوله أما بعد Muhammad, بالله من I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to
1: After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awwuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahu Allah Ta'ala bin aziz stated, I will mention those expeditions in which Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala took part. As mentioned previously, Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu was not able to take part in the Battle of Badr because his wife Hazrat Ruqiyya radiallahu ta'ala The daughter of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was extremely unwell. And owing to this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Usman to remain behind in Medina in order to look after her, but he considered Hazrat Usman among those who participated in the battle. For this reason, he also gave him provisions from the spoils of war of the same value as those who participated in the battle. The Battle of Ghadfan took place in Muharram or Safar three Hijri and while setting off towards Najd in order to travel to Ghadfan, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Usman ta'ala as the Amir of Medina in his absence. Therefore, in this respect, he was not able to partake in this expedition either. With regards to the details of this expedition, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib ta'ala states, that upon the proposal of a renowned warrior from among themselves named Dosur bin Haris, the people of the Banu Salba and Banu Maharib, which were tribes of the Banu Ghatfan, began to assemble in a place called Ziamr situated in Najd, with the intention of launching a sudden attack upon Medina. However, since the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would keep a constant watch on the movements of his enemies, he was able to receive timely intelligence as to the deadly motives of these tribes. Therefore, in the likeness of a vigilant general, as a preemptive measure, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, assembled a force of four hundred and fifty companions and set out from Medina towards the end of Muharram three hijri, or in the beginning of Safar 4 Hijri. Advancing swiftly, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached close to Zee Amr, and as soon as the enemy was informed of the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, they quickly climbed to the nearby mountains in order to secure themselves. And when the Muslims reached Ziamr, the plain was empty. Albeit, the companions managed to apprehend a Bedouin named Jabbar who belonged to the Banu Salba. The companions took him captive and presented him before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired of him as to the facts, it was ascertained that all of the people from the Banu Salwa and Banu Muharib had secured themselves in the mountains and they would not confront the Muslims in an open field. Thus, with no other alternative, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was compelled to order a return. And Nonetheless, the benefit which was indeed derived from this Ghazwa, i.e. expedition, was that the threat posed by the Banu Ghatfan at the time was temporarily averted. <laughs> the Battle of Ahud took place in Shawal 3 Hijri. Hazrat Usman <laughs> radiallahu ta'ala took part in the Battle of Ahud. He did not take part in the previous two battles but Hazrat Usman ta'ala did take part in the battle of Uhud. And during the battle there was a group of companions who owing to the sudden attack by the disbelievers and upon learning about the news of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, supposed martyrdom, they became scattered. And there came a time when there were only a group of 12 companions around the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Usman was among the former of these groups. When the Muslims saw that they had overpowered the army of the disbelievers, they began gathering the spoils of war. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had appointed fifty archers and ordered them not to leave their positions. But when they had gained victory, they left their positions, even though the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had strictly ordered them not to leave their positions. Khalid bin Walid, who had not yet become a Muslim, saw all of this and immediately launched an attack on the Muslims from that same position. This attack was so sudden and unexpected and also so severe that the Muslims were forced to disperse. Hazrat Usman's name is also mentioned among those companions who dispersed. Owing to the circumstances at the time and due to their level of faith and sincerity they had in their hearts, the Holy Qur'an forgave these people. And thus, in this regard, Allah the Almighty states, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَوَلَّوُوا مِنْكُمْ يَوْمَ الْتَقَى الْجَمْعَانِ إِنَّمَا اسْتَزَلَّهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ بِبَعْزِ مَا كَسَبُوا ma kasabu. اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ That is, those of you who turned their backs on the day when the two hosts met, surely it was Satan who sought to make them slip because of certain doings of theirs. But certainly Allah has already pardoned them. Verily, Allah is most forgiving, forbearing. Then, whilst mentioning the condition of the Muslims during this battle, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib mentions in Sirat Khatim al Nabiyin, he writes, The army of the Quraysh had pretty much surrounded them from all four fronts and continued to crush the Muslims moment by moment through repeated attacks. Yet, even after all this, the Muslims probably would have may well regained themselves shortly thereafter. But the outrage was that a bold warrior from among the Quraysh named Abdullah bin Kamiya attacked Musab bin Umar the flag bearer of the Muslims, and severed his right hand with the blow of his sword. Musab immediately clutched the flag with his other hand and advanced to confront Ibn Kamiya. But in his second blow, the other hand was severed as well. Upon this, Musab joined both of his severed hands together in an endeavour to keep the Islamic flag from falling and held it to his chest, upon which Ibn Qamiyyah struck him a third time and this time Musab was martyred and fell to the ground. As far as the flag was concerned, another Muslim immediately advanced and took hold of it. But since the size and figure of Musab resembled the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Ibn Kamiya thought that he had slain the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. It is also possible that this scheme of his was merely guided by motives of mischief and deceit. But in any case, when Musab was martyred and fell, Ibn Kamiya exclaimed that he had slain Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. At this news, the Muslims lost whatever composure was left in them and their force was scattered completely. Many companions fled from the field of battle in a state of dismay and at that time the Muslims were divided into three groups. One group was of those who had fled from the field of battle upon hearing the news that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been martyred. But this group was the smallest of all or rather it is said that they had dispersed out of dismay and this included Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiyallahu ta'ala anhu as well. However, as mentioned in the Holy Qur'an, taking into consideration the special circumstances of that time and the heartfelt faith and sincerity of these people, Allah the Exalted forgave them. From among these people, some had even reached Medina, and in this manner news of the so-called martyrdom of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the defeat of the Muslim army managed to reach Medina as well. And as a result, a state of lamentation broke out in Medina and the Muslim men, women, both young and old, all came out of the city in a state of immense dismay and set out towards Ahud. Some of them made haste to the field of battle and plunged into the enemy ranks in the name of Allah. And the second group consisted of such people who had not fled but upon hearing the news of the martyrdom of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had either lost determination or felt that now it was useless to fight. Hence, they had moved to one side of the battlefield and sat down with their heads hanging low. And the third group was of those who continued to fight on without fail. Among them, some consisted of those people who were gathered around the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and were exhibiting unprecedented feats of valor and most of them were fighting in the field of battle scattered apart from one another. As these people and those from the second group continued to discover that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was alive, these people would continue to fight and close in around the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in the likeness of those possessed by madness. The state of war at the time was such that the army of the Quraysh would push forward from all four fronts in the likeness of ferocious ocean waves. A rain of arrows and stones was falling upon them in the battlefield from all directions. Upon witnessing this state of danger, these devotees surrounded the perimeter of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and shielded his blessed body with their own. However, despite this, whenever the force of the attack would surge forward, this handful of men would be jostled here and there, and in this state, at times, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would almost be left standing alone. In any case, it states that upon hearing the news of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's martyrdom, Hazrat Usman r.a. left the battlefield, perhaps out of dismay and sorrow or for some other reason. And although he did not leave the battlefield, but Hazrat Umar's name is also mentioned amongst those who stopped fighting out of their dismay and sorrow. However, the details of that will be mentioned later during the mention of his accounts. Now, I will mention the details in relation to Hazrat Usman's role on the occasion of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and the sending of the Emissary and Baithir Iswan. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw a dream in which he and his companions were peacefully entering the house of Allah Kaaba, with some having their heads shaven and others having their hair cut short. And so in light of this dream, in the month of Zulkada 6 Hijri, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left Medina along with 1,400 companions of his with the intention to perform the Umrah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, camped at Hudaybiyah and the Quraysh stopped the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from performing the Umrah. When communication between the two parties began through their emissaries and upon learning of the intense anger and rage of the Quraysh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that a prominent individual should be sent to Makkah who was also a native of Makkah and was from a venerable tribe of the Quraysh. And so, Hazrat Usman was sent for this purpose. Regarding this, I shall relate some of the details Hazrat Misbahuddin Sahib radiyallahu has written. He writes. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw a dream that he was performing the tawaf of the Ba'tullah along with his companions, i.e. performing circuits around the house of Allah, i.e. the Kaaba. At that time, the month of Zulqada was near, which even in the era of Jahiliya, i.e. the era of ignorance, prior to the advent of Islam, was considered to be amongst the four blessed months wherein all forms of war and conflict was prohibited. On the one hand, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw this dream and on the other, the time was also such that the course of war would come to a halt and peace and safety would prevail throughout the whole of Arabia. And although these were not the days of Hajj and until now Hajj and Islam had not been officially ordained either, but Tawaf could be performed around the Kaaba at any time. Therefore, upon seeing this dream, The Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed his companions to prepare for Umrah. And on this occasion, the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him, also announced to the companions that since this journey was free from any intentions of violent confrontation, rather it was merely for the purpose of performing peaceful religious worship, therefore the Muslims should not take their weapons along with them. Albeit, As per the custom of Arabia, swords could be kept in their sheaths in the manner of a
2: wayfarer.
1: Along with this, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him also encouraged the Bedouin people in the surrounding areas of Medina who were apparently with the Muslims, to participate in the performance of the worship of Umrah. But unfortunately, very few, i.e. except for a nominal number of people, these so-called Bedouin Muslims of weak faith, who lived in the close proximity of Medina, held back from setting out with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. It was their idea that although the Muslims had no other intention than that of Umrah, but the Quraysh would stop the Muslims either way and so a state of confrontation would arise. Furthermore, they thought that since this confrontation would erupt close to Makkah and far from Medina, for this reason no Muslim would be able to return alive. Therefore, they became fearful and did not partake in this journey. But in any case, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, departed from Medina on a Monday morning in the beginning of Zulkada six Hijri with a group of just over 1,400 companions. During this journey, Hazrat Umm Salma, ta'ala, anha, the Honorable Wife of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, rode alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And numaila bin Abdullah was appointed as the Amir of Medina, and Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum, who was a blind man, was appointed as Imam as i.e., to lead the congregational prayers. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached Zul which is situated approximately six miles from Medina en route to Mecca, he ordered everyone to stop. And after offering the Zohr prayer, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed that the sacrificial camels, which equals seventy in number, be marked and that the companions assumed the special attire of the pilgrims, known as the Ihram. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also assumed the Ihram himself as well. And then, in order to ensure that the Quraysh were not up to any mischief, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent ahead a messenger named Busr bin Sufyan from the Khuzar tribe, who lived near Mecca and slowly proceeded towards Mecca. Moreover, as further caution, the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed a cavalry of 20 riders under the command of Abad bin Bishr to travel ahead of the larger body of Muslims. And after a journey of few days, when the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him, neared a place called Asfan, which is situated at approximately two manzils from Makkah. And it is said that one manzil is approximately nine miles The Messenger of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, informed him that the Quraysh were furious and firmly determined to stop him to the extent that in the expression of their rage and barbarity they had put on cheetah skins and were fully bent on war in order to stop the Muslims in all instances. It was also ascertained that the Quraysh had sent forth a cavalry unit of a few daring riders under the command of Khalid bin Walid who had not yet become Muslim. And it was said that this cavalry had reached near the Muslims and that ikrama bin Abi Jahal was also a part of it. When the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him heard this news, he instructed the companions to divert from the known route to Mecca and proceed from the right in order to prevent conflict. And so, the Muslims began to move forward from a very difficult and burdensome route near the coast. Following this new route, when the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him neared Hudaybiyah, which is one day's journey, i.e. only 9 miles from Mecca, and the valley of Makkah starts from the pass of Ghadabiyya. The camel of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, which was known by the name of al Quswa, and had accompanied the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in many Ghazwat i.e. expeditions, suddenly stretched out her feet and sat down. And despite many attempts to stand her up, she would not move. Upon this, the companions submitted that perhaps she is tired. But the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stated, that she is not tired, and nor is it in her nature to tire out and sit in this manner. The truth is that the same Supreme Being who prevented the Elephant of the Ashab field from proceeding to Mecca has also stopped this camel as well. Therefore, I swear by God that I shall accept whatever the Quraysh of Mecca ask of me for the respect of the Haram. And after this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, called out to his camel to stand up, and by the power of God this time, it stood up immediately and prepared to move forward. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took her to the far corner of the valley of Hudaybiyah, and settling her near a water well, he dismounted his camel. It is here that upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the companions set up camp. then there is the mention of how the conversation began in order to establish peace between the Muslims and the Quraysh. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stopped in Hudaybiyah, he set up camp near the water well of Hudaybiyah. And when the companions had also set up camp in Hudaybiyah, a renowned chieftain from the Khuzar tribe named Budel bin Waraka, who resided in a nearby region, came to meet the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with some of his associates. And he said to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that the leaders of Makkah are ready for war and they shall never let you enter Makkah. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, responded, that we have not come with the intention of war, rather we have only come to perform the Umrah. Alas, despite the fact that the fire of war has burned them to dust, they still do not refrain from fighting. And I am even prepared to settle a truce with them so that they may seize war against me and leave me free for the others. In other words, that I will not keep any relations with the people of Makkah and instead preach the message of Islam to others. The Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him then further stated that if however they reject this proposal of mine and insist on keeping the fire of war aflame then I also swear by his name in whose hand is my life that I shall not retreat from this battle until I die in this cause or God gives me victory. And if I am faced with defeat in this battle then so ends the story. But if Allah the Almighty grants me victory and the religion that I have brought is given dominance then the people of Makkah should not hesitate in believing in me. Budail bin Waraga was greatly moved by the sincere and earnest address of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. and He requested the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. But if you grant me some respite, I shall go to Makkah and convey your message so as to seek reconciliation. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, permitted him to do so and Budail set out to Makkah with a few of his associates. When Budail bin Waraga reached Makkah, he gathered the Quraysh and said, But I have come from the man I. Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he has presented to me a proposal. If you permit me, shall I present it to you? Upon this, the vehement and irresponsible people from among the Quraysh began to say that we shall not listen to anything he has to say. However, the influential and trusted people among the Quraysh stated that yes, inform us of the proposal as such, Budail repeated the proposal of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Upon this, a man named Urwa bin Mas'ud who was a very influential chieftain of the tribe of saqif and was present in Mecca at the time stood up. And in the ancient Arabian manner, he began to say, that O ye people, am I not like a father unto you? They responded in the affirmative. And he then said, that are all of you not as my sons? And again they responded in the affirmative. (laughs) After this, Urva stated, that do you doubt me in any way? The Quraysh responded, no, not at all. He then said, that then it is in my view, that this man, i.e. Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has presented an excellent proposal. You should accept this proposal and I request you that you allow me to go to Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in order to further discuss this proposal. The Quraysh replied that certainly go and discuss this proposal. And when he arrived in the gathering of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He witnessed a truly inspiring scene. Urwa presented himself before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and began to have a discussion with him. The Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him reiterated the same address which had previously given to Budail bin Warqa. In principle, Urwa was at accord with the viewpoint of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, but he wanted to fulfill his duty as an ambassador of the Quraysh and in order to secure as many rights as possible in favor of the Quraysh. Thus, concluding his discussions with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Urwa returned to the Quraysh and as soon as he reached them he said to the Quraysh, O ye people, I have travelled far and wide and I have been to the royal courts of many a king and have been presented before the Caesar and Chosros and Najashi as a representative, but by God the manner in which I have seen the companions of Muhammad sallam honor him, I have seen nowhere else. He then related the entire experience which he had witnessed in the assembly of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And at the end he said, once again I suggest that the proposal of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is a just one and we should accept it. Upon hearing this talk of Urwa, a chieftain of the Bani Kinana named Hulais bin al said to the Quraysh that if you please I shall go to Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. They replied that certainly go. And so this man came to hadabiyah and when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, noticed him coming from afar, he said to the companions that this man who comes towards us belongs to such a tribe as are pleased with the scenes of sacrifice. So quickly gather and bring forth your sacrificial animals, so that he may see why we have come." Therefore, the companions brought their animals of sacrifice, and loudly chanting takbir, i.e. glorifying Allah the Almighty, gathered them before him. When he saw this sight, he began to say, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah, I glory be to Allah, glory be to Allah, these people are pilgrims they cannot be barred from performing tawaf of the Baitullah. As such, he quickly returned to the Quraysh and began to say that I have seen that the Muslims have placed garlands of sacrifice around the necks of their animals and they have been marked for sacrifice. Therefore, it is not at all appropriate to stop them from performing the tawaf of the Kaaba. At that time, a severe state of dissent was erupting amongst the Quraysh and they became two parties of the Quraysh. One party was adamant in sending back the Muslims and was firmly bent upon fighting. And the second party, however, considering this against their Asian religious customs and was afraid to oppose them and were desirous of an honourable agreement. And for this reason, the decision was left pending. Upon this instance, Another Arab chieftain named Mikras bin Hafs said to the Quraysh "Then let me go and I shall conclude an agreement. Consequently the Quraysh said alright why don't you also attempt and see. Hence he went to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him saw him from afar he said may God show his grace for he is indeed a vicious man. In any case, Mikras came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and began to talk. However, he was still speaking when a renowned chieftain of the Quraysh named Suhail bin Amr came before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Perhaps in their anxiety, the Quraysh had sent him without waiting for the return of Mikras. Upon noticing the arrival of Suhail, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Here comes Suhail, if God wills, now the matter shall become easy for us. Nevertheless, the discussions continued, and on this occasion the following incident also took place. When the ambassadors of the Quraysh began to come one after another, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him felt that a wise person on his behalf should also go to the Quraysh, who would be able to present the viewpoint of the Muslims sympathetically and with wisdom. A man named Khirash bin Umayyah, who was from the Khuzar tribe, by the same tribe from which the first ambassador of the Quraysh, Budail bin Warqa came, was selected for this purpose. For this mission, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, granted Khirash his own camel for transport. Khirash went to the Quraysh, but since this was still the early stages of negotiations and the young men from the Quraysh were extremely enraged, a fanatical young man from among the Quraysh, Ikrama bin Abi Jahl, attacked and wounded the Camel of Khirash. By Arab custom this meant that they were forcefully stopping his movements. Additionally, this extremist group from among the Quraysh desired to attack Khirash as well. But the elders intervened and saved his life. Following this, Khirash then returned to his camp. However, the Quraysh of Mecca did not suffice at this. Rather, in the blindness of their rage, they also intended that now as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions were so close to Mecca and so very far from Medina, an attack should be launched against him, so that he may be harmed as much as possible. For this purpose, they dispatched a party of about 40-50 to men towards Hudaybiyah, and in the veil of negotiations, these people were instructed to circle the Muslim camp and whenever possible, continue injuring the Muslims. As a matter of fact, from some narrations it is even ascertained that these people were 80 in number, and on this occasion they even conspired to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, the Muslims remained vigilant in their place by the grace of Allah, and as such, the secret of this conspiracy of the Quraysh was discovered and all of those concerned were arrested. The Muslims were very displeased at this action of the people of Makkah which they had committed in the sacred months and in the sacred proximity of the Haram at that. However, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him forgave them and did not allow for it to become an obstacle in the negotiations. The Holy Quran has also mentioned this action of the people of Makkah. It states an asfarakum alayhim That is it was God who by his special grace, withheld the hands of the infidels from you in the valley of Makkah and protected you and when you became dominant and subjugated them, withheld your hands from them. In any case, in light of the circumstances and the background to the event, When we observe the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continuously displaying utmost patience and steadfastness and his efforts to establish peace, indeed we find that his example of patience and seeking to establish peace is unparalleled. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sought to establish peace continuously at every occasion. Hazrat Mirza (laughs) Bashir Ahmad Sahib further writes, The Holy Prophet peace be upon him saw the mischief of the Quraysh and also heard of the state of anger and rage prevalent among the people of Makkah from Khirash bin Umayyya. Therefore, in order to cool the Quraysh and bring them aright, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him intended to send a prominent individual to Makkah who was from among themselves and was from a venerable tribe of the Quraysh. In other words, despite all this, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not give up his efforts for peace and he took the risk of sending another ambassador. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to Hazrat Umar bin al Khattab that it will be best that you go to Mecca and fulfill the responsibility of an ambassador on behalf of the Muslims. Hazrat Umar submitted, O Messenger of Allah, you know that the people of Mecca are increasing in their enmity towards me, and at this time there is no prominent person from my tribe present in Mecca who possesses influence over the people of Mecca. For this reason, it is my view that in order to ease the road to success, Usman bin Affan ta'ala anhu be chosen to offer this service, whose tribe the Banu Umayyah are presently very powerful. Furthermore, the people of Makkah cannot dare to act wickedly against Usman and these are great prospects of success. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was pleased by this proposal and instructed Hazrat Usman ta'ala anhu to go to Makkah and informed the Quraysh of the peaceful designs of the Muslims and their intent to perform Umrah. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him also gave Hazrat Usman a personal letter which was addressed to the chieftains of the Quraysh. In this letter, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him had expounded the purpose of his journey and assured the Quraysh that their purpose was merely the observance of the worship and that they would peacefully perform the Umrah and return thereafter. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also said to Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that try to meet the weaker Muslims in Makkah as well and lift their spirits and tell them to show a little more patience for God is soon to open the door of success upon us. And so Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala went to Makkah with this message. And after meeting Abu Sufyan, who was the chieftain of Makkah at the time, as well as a near relative, Hazrat Usman ta'ala anhu was presented before a public gathering. In this meeting, Hazrat Usman presented a letter sent by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And this letter was also read individually by the chieftains of the Quraysh. However, despite this, all the people stubbornly clung to the view that either way the Muslims could not enter Makkah that year. Upon the insistence of Hazrat Usman they stated that if you are exceedingly desirous, then we can give you special permission to perform the Tawaf of the Kaaba, but no more. Hazrat Usman replied, and how is this possible, that the Messenger of Allah, my peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is stopped outside of Makkah, and I perform the Tawaf of the Kaaba. But the Quraysh did not accept anything, and eventually disheartened, Hazrat Usman prepared to return. Upon this instance, the wicked people of Makkah, perhaps with the thought that in this manner they should be able to secure more beneficial conditions for themselves in negotiations, detained Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his companions as well in Makkah. Upon this, rumor spread amongst the Muslims that the people of Makkah had martyred Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When this news reached the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he was extremely angry and upset and took the Ba'tirizwan Regarding this, it states, When this news reached Hudaybiyah, the Muslims were infuriated because Hazrat Usman was the son-in-law of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and was among the most respected of companions. And he had gone to Makkah as an Islamic ambassador. Furthermore, those days were also the sacred months, and then Makkah itself was a sanctuary. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him immediately made an announcement and gathered his companions beneath an acacia tree. When the companions had assembled, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him mentioned this news and stated that if this news is true, then by God we shall not move from this place until we seek revenge for Usman. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated to the companions that come and place your hand on my hand which is the Islamic way of that and take an oath that none of you shall show his back and will sacrifice his life in need be but shall not retreat from this place. Upon this announcement, the companions lunged forward in such a manner as if toppling over one another. And every single person from among these 1400-1500 to 1500 people who were the entire lot of the Muslims at the time sold themselves once again in loyalty at the hand of their beloved master. When the bath was taking place, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, placed his left hand upon his right and stated that this is the hand of Usman, for if he were here, he would not have been left behind in this holy covenant but at this time he is engaged in the work of Allah and His Messenger. As such, this radiant scene came to its conclusion. In Islamic history, this bath is known as the bed it is rizwan i.e. that bath wherein the Muslims acquired the reward of God's complete pleasure. The Holy Qur'an has also especially mentioned this bath It states, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايْعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةَ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ فَأَنزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَصَابَهُمْ فَتْحًا كَرِيبًا That is, O Messenger, Allah the Exalted was well pleased with the Muslims when they were taking bath under the tree. For through this bath, the sincerity that was hidden in their hearts was brought to the discernible knowledge of God. So God revealed tranquility upon their hearts and rewarded them with a near victory at hand. The Companions would also refer to this battle with great pride and love and many of them would often tell those who came later, that you consider the conquest of Makkah to be the victory, but we consider the Baith De won to be the actual victory. There is no doubt that along with its details, the Baid was a magnificently great victory, not only because it opened the door to future victories, but also because the spirit of sacrifice in Islam, which was the central point of the religion of Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was manifested in a most magnificent manner. Furthermore, these devotees of Islam, showed by their actions, that they were prepared to bargain with their life and death in every field for the sake of their messenger and the truth he had brought. This is why, whilst referring to Baithi rizwan the honourable companions would say that this bath was a note to death. In other words, it was a bath of the oath that every Muslim would sacrifice his life for the sake of Islam and his glory, but would not retreat. Moreover, Another salient feature of this bath was that this oath and agreement was not merely a verbal declaration in a state of temporary emotion. Quite the contrary, it was the voice from the depths of hearts behind which the full power of the Muslim was united upon a single focus. When the Quraysh received news of this bath, they became fearful and not only did they release Hazrat Usman ta'ala and his companions but also informed their messengers to settle an agreement with the Muslims, however possible. However, one condition was to be secured that instead of this year the Muslims should perform Umrah the following year. Either way, they should be made to return home immediately. On the other hand, the holy prophet peace be upon him had already pledged that he would not do anything to disgrace the honour of the sacred mosque and the house of Allah. Moreover, since Allah the Almighty had already given him the glad tidings, that the negotiations to take place with the Quraysh at this time were about to become the basis of future success. For this reason, with respect to the two parties, this environment was most befitting for negotiations. And it was in this very environment that Suhail bin Amr reached the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And upon seeing him he said, now it appears the matter shall become easier. Following this, the negotiations then began. When Suhail bin Amr came before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, upon seeing him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, immediately said, as has been mentioned earlier, that Suhail is coming, now the matter shall be made easy. In any case, Suhail came and upon arriving he stated, come, forget this lengthy dispute, we are prepared to make an agreement. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that so are we. Upon this the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, summoned his secretary, Hazrat Ali (radiallahu taala تعالى The conditions of the treaty were as follows. This year the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions should return. And the following year they could come to Makkah and perform the Umrah. However, except for carrying their swords in their sheaths, they will not be allowed to bring any other weapons and that they could not stay in Makkah for more than three days. Furthermore, if anyone from among the Meccans was to go to Medina, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was not to grant him refuge, even if he was a Muslim and he should be returned. However, if a Muslim were to leave Medina and go to Mecca, he would not be returned. And according to another narration it stated that if someone from among the Meccans were to go to Medina without the permission from his guardian then he should be returned. It further stated that every tribe of Arabia had the choice to form an alliance with either the Muslims or the Meccans. And that this treaty was to last for a period of 10 years and there would be no fighting between the Quraysh and the Muslims during this period. Two copies were made of this treaty, and various prominent individuals from amongst both sides signed the treaty. Those who signed the treaty from amongst the Muslims were Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Usman who had arrived back from Makkah by then, i.e. the disbelievers had let him go, and therefore he also signed on the treaty, and then Rahman bin Auf, Saad bin Abi Waqas, and Abu Ubaidah. May Allah be pleased with them all. After the completion of the treaty, Suhail bin Amr took a copy of the treaty and returned to Mecca and the other copy remained with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat 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 Muslim Maud has also related this incident in his own words in the following manner. He writes, some of the local tribes of Mecca urged upon the Meccan leaders to let the Muslims perform the Taba' and that they should not be stopped from this but the Meccans remained adamant. Thereupon the tribal leaders of the local tribes said that from this it seemed that the Meccans did not want peace and wanted to cause mischief. Therefore they threatened to disassociate themselves from them. Here, Hazrat Muslimah has included an additional detail in that they were also pressured from the local tribes. Out of fear, the Meccans were persuaded to try and reach a settlement with the Muslims. And as soon as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, got to know of this, he sent Hazrat Usman who later became the third khalifa of Islam to the Meccans. Hazrat Usman had many relatives in Mecca. They came out and surrounded him and offered to let him perform the tawaf he perform the circuits of the Kaaba. But declared that they would not let the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, do so until the following year. Hazrat Usman replied but I will not perform the tawaf unless it is in the company of my master. Hazrat, Hazrat Usman's uh, talks with the chiefs of Mecca became prolonged and a rumour was mischievously spread that he had been murdered and this news also reached the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Upon this the Holy Prophet peace be upon him assembled the companions and stated that the life of an ambassador is held sacred among all nations. I have heard that the Meccans have murdered Usman. If this is true, We have to enter Mecca, whatever the consequences. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him's earlier intention to enter Mecca peacefully had to be changed under the changed circumstances. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him further stated, those who promise solemnly that if they have to go further, they will either return as victors or be martyred one after the other in the battlefield, should come forward and take the oath on my hand. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had hardly finished speaking when all the 1500 companions stood up and instantly became soldiers and leapt over one another to hold the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's hand and take the oath. The oath possesses a special importance in the history of Islam. It is called the Pledge of the Tree. This is because when the oath was taken, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sitting under a tree. Every one of those who took the oath remained proud of it to the end of his days. And of the 1500 present on the occasion, not one held back. They all promised that if the Muslim ambassador had been murdered, they would not go back. Either they would take Mecca before dusk or they would all die fighting. The taking of the oath was not over when Hazrat Usman ta'ala anhu returned. And he reported that the Meccans did not agree to let the Muslims perform the Tawaf until the following year. Following this, they had appointed their delegates to sign a settlement with the Muslims. Soon after, Suhail, a chief of Makkah, came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and a settlement was reached and recorded. The accounts from the life of Hazrat Usman ta'ala will continue to be related, inshallah. And I would like to draw attention towards prayers once again especially for the conditions in Pakistan. The Ahmadis are not even safe within the four walls of their own homes and in their own places. The police arrive wherever the Mulvis, i.e. the clerics tell them to go. There are certain good-natured policemen who say that their sympathies are with the Ahmadis, but there is nothing they can do because they are pressured in acting in such a manner as they have been instructed by their superiors. May Allah the Almighty grant us respite, as well as the country in general, from these evil natured officials. And may Allah the Almighty enable every Ahmadi to live freely and safely in their own homeland. And pay special focus towards prayers. For if we continue to pray, then very soon, inshallah, we will come to witness the extremely woeful end of the opponents. May Allah the Almighty grant us the ability to continue to pray and grant acceptance to our supplications.
0: الحمد لله الحمد wa nastainu, wa nastaghfiru, wa به bihi, wa natawakkalu alayhi, wa min من ياده الله فلا مُضلل له ومن يضل الله فلا هذيله ونشهد أن الله ونشهد أن محمداً الله إن Allah, you are the one who is the one who is the one who is the one who is for the لَكُمْ of